You are listening to Finding Your Calm with Your Teenager, episode number four. Anybody out there have trouble staying calm when dealing with their teenagers? I do. I did. And I truly believe that if you can remain calm when dealing with your teenager, you can pretty much remain calm in any situation. So that's what this podcast is about with myself, Jessica Stewart, a certified life coach and a parent to two boys. So listen in for my steps on how to redefine your job as a parent of a teenager and how to find your calm when dealing with them. Stay tuned. Well, hello there and welcome back to Finding Your Calm with Your Teenager. And last week I was talking about acceptance as one of the four pillars. So finding your calm is the four pillars of uh, finding connection with yourself and with your teenager. Uh, A stands for acceptance of your teenager and yourself. And then L is love and M is managing emotions. So these are the basically the four pillars of finding your calm and we're going to be exploring these in each of the episodes kind of at the beginning here just to give a baseline for what I'm talking about and what my work is about. So this week I'm talking about self-acceptance and I'm going to outline like what it is first of all. So we'll just look at the definition of it and so what? Like why is it important? Why is it such a good thing to look at when looking at your relationship with your teenager? What does self-acceptance have to do with your relationship with your teenager anyways? So we'll delve a little bit into that. And then I'll talk about how. So um, it's good to talk about these things as a concept, but then what do you do with it? How do you find self-acceptance once you decide, if you decide that it's something you want to look at and you think it's important for you or useful for you, then how do you actually foster self-acceptance? How do you delve into it and just pay attention to it? So first of all, the what. So self-acceptance is defined as an individual's acceptance of all of their attributes, positive or negative. And this definition is super important really to look at because we often have so uh, much ease accepting our positive attributes, um, maybe or maybe not, but mostly the things that we like about ourselves, not really too hard to accept. But the things that we don't or think are negative or we think that the way we're feeling is somehow bad or wrong, those are the things we tend just to say no to, to not accept, to not really want to look at and just this is what comes up when we're sort of in a mode of self-rejection. So for me, I don't know if it's helpful for you, but sometimes when I look at the opposite of something, it helps me understand a concept. So in this case, we can look at what self-rejection is. So essentially saying no to yourself and the way you are. And does you actually saying no to how you are and the things that you maybe don't like about yourself or the things that you perceive as negative, does that really change anything for you? In my experience, it only makes you feel worse about yourself. 
um, because you believe you shouldn't be, if, if you're not accepting yourself and you believe you shouldn't be the way you are in that, in that act and reject yourself. And that leaves you in sort of a cycle of self-rejection, wishing to be different than you actually are. And so one of the things that's helpful concept to understand is the, um, it's in Buddhism actually, and it's the concept of two arrows. So, um, when you're experiencing something, maybe something that's sad or something that's, um, you're anxious about or something maybe grieving, anger, any of the perceived negative emotions, then you feel that. But then what we often do is we kind of are in a non-acceptance of that feeling. We're sad, but then we're like, well, why am I sad? Why is this bothering me so much? Like, it's, there's something wrong with me that I'm so sad. And that judgment on top of the sadness is the second arrow. It's like you've injured yourself twice or you feel pain about something, you feel hurt about something, and then you judge yourself for it. So you're like, you know, somebody says something that you feel hurt by, and they're like, why is that bothering me so much? Like, what's wrong with me that this is hurting me? So that's the second arrow. And this is what we do with so many things. We have, I know for me, I, I'm quite anxious. So I get anxious about something, and then I'm like, why am I so anxious? What's wrong with me? That's the second arrow. So the idea to me of self-acceptance is not shooting that second arrow at yourself, okay? Or not letting that happen. It's really when something comes up for you, you feel it, you accept that you're feeling that way, and you just kind of, instead of that judgment layering on top of it, you can then get curious about it and say, you know, I'm sad, and really in a curious way say, well, why am I feeling like, why am I feeling sad about that? Not in a judgmental way. There is a difference between that energy of the energy of self-judgment and non-acceptance and the energy of acceptance, self-compassion, and really uh, curiosity. So another thing I want to say about this is that it is really a conscious practice. So, and also the reason why I particularly like the idea or the concept of self-acceptance is that it doesn't go right to like positivity. So I'm kind of a cynical person by nature. And maybe that's one of the things that I've accepted about myself at this point. But um, I sort of reject everything that just has you bright siding and going right to seeing the positive and everything. Like you should just be happy. Why aren't you happy? Like there, and, and I find that when people say that and just try to get you out of how you're actually feeling about something, it's not particularly helpful. So for, for me, self-acceptance is a, just a less, let's say, kind of jumping over of all the stuff that you're actually feeling. You can just be in a space of, yes, I'm feeling sad right now. And that's okay for me to feel sad. And it's something you need to practice at if you choose to do this. Of course, you can choose to do any work that you want in yourself or not. But it's not something that happens immediately. And it becomes something that you have to consciously think about doing. So why don't we accept ourselves? 
And I touched on this a little before, but I really think that we believe not accepting something about ourselves will force us into change if that's what we want. Um, So why is it important to think about self-acceptance as it relates to parenting teenagers? So what's the point of all this? How does it relate to parenting teenagers? So if our teenagers know that we accept ourselves in all of our imperfection and human messiness, because that's really what life is. There's so much messiness. And um, you can call it messiness or you can just call it being human. It's just human emotions. And this concept that's been life-changing for me within um, learning the life coaching tools that I've learned is this concept of 50-50, is that life is not... Uh, meant to be happy and wonderful all the time. And I think that as a culture and as a society, we have been somehow fed the idea that the idea of a successful life is that you're happy all the time or everything's great all the time or that if you have negative emotions, that's a bad thing. And I think that does a real disservice in the realm of feeling your emotions and kind of having that Uh, fulfilled life and being able to sit with negative emotions and process them and not have to push them away in the service of trying to be in some positive, happy space all the time, because that becomes sort of uh, inauthentic in a way. So if, if really, like I just said, I'm repeating it again, if our teenagers know that we accept ourselves in all of our humanness, they will learn how to do it for themselves. So if they see what you're doing, if they see you rejecting yourself and not not allowing yourself to be the way you are, talking bad about yourself, um, saying, oh, I'm so this way and that's so bad, instead of just saying, oh, I'm feeling really sad right now because uh, this happened. So then they see you managing your emotions. They see you accepting yourself and they see that it's okay to feel that way. And they will learn how to be better managers of their own emotions and to be also accepting of themselves. Because there's so much in this world that feels like people aren't accepting you. So developing it for your own self is, I can't tell you how wonderful that tool is, is when you know that you will relentlessly have your own back and that you will be always, you won't abandon yourself when you're feeling the worst. And the times when you're feeling the worst, like when you're sad or when you're angry or when you're scared, that's when you need to be so kind to yourself in those moments. And we can more easily do it for other people. But when it comes to ourselves, we're like, oh boy, you should be, you should be better than this. You shouldn't be feeling this way. You shouldn't be feeling sad. So um, if, if we can learn to accept all parts of ourselves, the so-called parts that we don't like and want to change, then we are able to accept and show compassion and loving kindness towards the parts of our teenagers as well that we are not liking and want to change. So I really think that our teenagers are sort of a mirror. Like I know I see my own kids as kind of an extension of my own body. I don't know if that make sense to those of you who are listening, but you kind of feel like they're a part of you or they are you in a, in a sense, like, because they, even if they didn't come from your own body, they're, you know, 
if you're taking care of them and, and you're so enmeshed in their lives, they become essentially like you're one in the same and they become somewhat of a mirror. So if we can accept ourselves, we can also accept the parts in them that are so-called negative. We can deal with them um, easier if we can also show that compassion towards ourselves. Because I know as parents, because we want our kids to be happy, we want them to like, and that's the other thing is always, I want my kids to be happy. I want want them never to have to feel anything bad. And I, I don't want them to ever have to be afraid. I need to, you know, keep them safe at all times and protect them, which is what kind of we've been handed as the job as parents, which in a lot of ways is in pretty much always is impossible to protect them from all of those emotions. But we want to get them out of their emotions quickly. Like if they come home and they're angry, I know I've done this so many times, like, don't be angry. You know, don't, don't be scared. Don't be this. Don't be that. You're, you're not hurt. You shouldn't be sad. Look at this. And we kind of try to get them out of their emotions. And so doing it for ourselves, understanding that, yes, we're allowed to be how we are as we are. And if, if we accept ourselves, we will accept the parts in them that are so-called negative and we can just sit with them and let them be. And don't shoot the two arrows at them. You know, they already have an arrow that they're dealing with, whatever it is. Don't shoot a second arrow by telling them they shouldn't be feeling the way they should be feeling. And this starts with ourselves. If we can do it with ourselves, we can do it easier with them. So the next idea is with lots of talk of loving ourselves, um, sometimes people can't really go there right away. Like when we talk about somebody, um, we tell them to love themselves first. I know for me, I have a little trouble going there right away. I really want to convince you that there's lots of parts about me that, you know, are not lovable or that I need to change. I I so want to convince you of that. So for me, self-acceptance is that stepping stone where I can just say, I accept that I am not so good at many things. I accept that I don't love, um, I don't know, cleaning my house. Well, who does really? That's kind of a poor example. But there's a lot of judgment that I have uh, on myself because I reject so much cleaning my house all the time. And then I see other parents who have a regular cleaning day. And I think good moms always have a nice clean house. And I just, that's just a thing I just hate doing. I would rather do anything else. But now I'm at a point where I accept that I don't like cleaning my house. And so, so be it. Now what? How do I deal with that? And I don't beat myself up for over it. It's not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things. Okay, so it's just kind of a step towards self-love if you're not at that self-love state, which um, it, and if you do that self-acceptance step, then you will get to a point where you are feeling more love towards yourself and therefore love towards other people. So how do we do this? Um, When any emotions come up, but more than likely you will want to work with some more difficult emotions when you're looking at working with self-acceptance. But I wouldn't go to trauma. So if you have traumatic experiences in your life, um, you would probably want to look at those with uh, somebody qualified to, 
you know, go through the, those processes with you. But I would pick something that sort of irks you about yourself or something that you have done or a difficult emotion that you're having lately, like something that's come up. Somebody said something to you and it bothered you. It, it, you started feeling a certain way when somebody said something. And the best way that I have learned is from uh, Tara Brock, and you can look this up online. You can look her up online. It's called the RAIN Meditation. And another acronym. I love acronyms. And what it is is just a process for going through um, how to deal with things uh, and work yourself towards self-acceptance when something difficult comes up. So you can do it as a meditation. Like when we talk about meditation, I know there's lots of people who are like, oh, sit down, close your eyes, don't move, clear your brain, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, whoa, that's too much to think about. But really a rain meditation, yes, you're sitting, you're sitting quietly, but you are going to still have a busy mind with thoughts, but it kind of goes through the process of diving into what you're feeling. So very simply, the RAIN meditation is, first of all, recognize. You notice your feeling and the way you are feeling. So you can just notice it really, recognize it, name it. You can say, sadness, I'm feeling sad right now. And then the next one, A, stands for allow. So you just let it be there without judgment. Essentially, let it be there without shooting the second arrow at yourself. Okay? Just what does sadness feel like in your body? Where do you feel it? Do you feel it in your throat? Do you feel it in your stomach? So just kind of noticing where it feels in your body helps to get you out of the judgment about it. It becomes like just that information coming from your body. And then investigate. So this is where you ask yourself with curiosity what, why you're feeling that way. And what are you believing about yourself in that moment? And really from a curious space and not from a space of self-judgment. So that's I investigate. And then nurture is the end. So with self-compassion, um, just nurture the feeling that you're having. You can kind of look at it as um, imagine if somebody else had that feeling. Imagine if your child or, or a small child had that feeling and then you were talking to them about it. It's like, oh yeah, I see you're sad right now. We know what's going on for you. And of course that makes sense you're sad because this is what happened. So that is the nurturing part of it. And just letting all your emotions, all the ways you are, particularly the negative ones, be okay and be there just opens up a whole big space for you to just have more capacity to allow your emotions and uh, allow the emotions of others to be there without having to like do anything. And again, I get back to the benefit of this work is that there's so much doing in the thinking that we have to change ourselves and really the being and the noticing of things and just letting it be there is so much there is some work in it. There is some conscious effort in it, but it's so much less work because you're not working against yourself. You're not fighting against yourself. You're not pushing something down and it's having to keep popping up again. Okay. So that's what I have for you this week. I am going to talk next week about love and we're talking about unconditional love and that's love of our teenagers, love of ourselves, and also 
love and boundaries because boundaries from a place of love and specifically love for our teenagers and love for ourselves is the best way to set boundaries so i'm really looking forward to diving into that a bit more all right so i thank you so much for listening if you are so inclined to share this podcast with somebody else i would be so appreciative if you have listened to the end and are listening to my podcast i know that there are a ton of podcasts out there that you could be listening to and i appreciate that you are listening to this one and i hope it's been helpful for you so thank you so much and i'll talk to you next week bye Mm -hmm.